say church or church of the valley but good morning everyone it's glad to see you guys all here i know the sun is really nice believe me i wish i was out feeling the rays but we're going to gather into the shade um, that god has given us for just a little bit and enjoy the the coolness of the morning as it would be uh, we're so glad you guys are here you guys can find all the resources you need online at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. It includes the connection cards um, just to let us know that you're here and how you found out about us. If you are a new guest, you can also find our sermon notes on there for when Jude comes up to speak afterwards about the journey of life. Uh, there's also physical copies of everything you need on the guest resource table if you are so inclined to use paper. But yeah, thank you guys for joining and thank you guys for already being standing. This is great. But uh, we're going to head and uh, start worshiping our God today. Here we go. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. You came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Sing it out, there's nothing. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing nothing is better than you i'm not afraid to show you my weakness my failures and flaws God, you see them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's shame into glory you're the only one who can sing it turn morning you turn morning to dancing you give beauty for ashes 
canceled my debt and has called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, your grace, oh, your grace, so free, washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose and our freedom in hand. Thank you, Lord. That's when death was arrested and my life begins. Oh, your grace. Oh, your grace. So free. Washes over. Forgiveness, the 
kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Sing Savior. The Savior, you can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Take me as you find me. Take me as you find me. All my fears and failures fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. I surrender. I surrender. The Savior, He can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Oh, Savior conquered the grave. Shine your light, shine your light, and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light, and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light, and let the whole world see. Singing for the glory of the risen. One more time, shine your light, Jesus. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. My Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. Mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Oh, my Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. And conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King, Jesus. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing. 
Understand your grace and your love towards us and to experience that firsthand, Jesus. That we were dead and brought to life because of you. We were lost and now we are found because of you. You alone are mighty to save, mighty to protect, mighty to bring us through this world and through this life into your presence, Lord. We love you, we're excited for the day that we get to see you face to face. But until then, Lord, we pray that you would help us on this journey of life to walk with you and to love you and to honor and glorify your name in all that we say and all that we do. For you alone deserve it all. So we love you. We ask these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys can have a seat. We'll uh, welcome up Jeremy for some announcements. Thanks, Victor. You know, as we were singing, one of the things I was uh, just being reminded of as we're talking about this series of just the journey of life one, one of the real benefits of regularly singing like that is learning to remind ourselves of what the truth of life in the kingdom of God really is like. We're inundated so much throughout the week of things that, you know, are contrary to what life in the kingdom of God is. And so to remind ourselves and to remind each other of this is the truth of what life in the kingdom really looks like is a, is a real help. So a little help for me. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I'm uh, on the First Impressions team here at Church in the Valley. I wanted to thank you know, all you guys for coming and welcome you. And if you're joining us online, I uh, hope you enjoy the time as well. And I want to let you know about a few announcements uh, coming up in church life as well as some things going on this morning. When you came in, you should have received a program from the First Press team. And if you have a physical one of that, uh, there are some things inside there, sermon outline as well as lyrics and um, message notes and some other things I want to draw your attention to. One is a connection card. And if you have a physical copy of that, we would love for everyone to fill one of those out. Um, just to let us know how we can be praying for you, any update information on you. And then if you're a guest or you're doing it online, if you want to fill one of those out as well and just let us know anything that uh, we could be praying for, helping you on, as well as anything you want more information about on the back of your connection card. And then just any information you feel comfortable sharing as a guest, we'd love to hear that about you, including how you heard about Church in the Valley. And if you're a guest, also a way just to be uh, tell you thank you for coming and help you a little, know a little bit more about what it means to, to follow Jesus. There is a book over on the guest resource table called How Good is Good Enough by Andy Stanley. And those are free. So if you like a copy of that, feel free to grab one of those on your way out. And also, if you would like to uh, give this morning, over there's also an offering ba- uh, bucket over on that table as well. And you can fill it out on your uh, giving envelope inside your program or you also give online. There's a couple ways to do that if you'd like to do that as well. Um, speaking of giving, 
I wanted to let you guys know, I, we finished our Christmas offering uh, last week and everything, and we said, like, whoa, we blew the number out of the water, which is amazing, of, like, we have 27,000, I think, a little over, we announced last week, um, of our 20,000 goal. But more came in, so we wanted to let you guys know that actual, the final, final number was $30,243. So that was amazing. So um, wanted to let you guys just know about the update, which, again, that's just going to be an incredible way to bless uh, local ministries and global ministries that we're giving to. So thank you very much for that. Um, one save the date I want to let you guys know about. For those of you guys that don't know, there's a lot of work that goes into, as most of you guys know probably, uh, on a Sunday morning of setting everything up from the band to the chairs to all the kids' zone classes to just everything um, to make Sunday morning an enjoyable and a helpful experience for everyone that comes. And so we want to have uh, a volunteer appreciation picnic just to thank everybody for that and really just have an excuse to eat food and have a good time with everybody in church. Um, so on May 7th, details will be following on that, but Saturday, May 7th, if you want to save the date for that, on just being able to be a part of that, we're going to have a volunteer appreciation. And that's for everyone. That's whether you're a volunteer or not, just to be able to come and enjoy the time together. So you can save the date for that. Um, let me pray, and then we're going to continue to worship, and then we'll welcome Jeep up uh, to give our message. So, Father, thank you uh, for the just, again, the generosity of everybody here. And um, we realize, God, that's really just your resources, and you have check-writing privileges on any of it. So thank you for the way you've taken care of us, and the way we can be a part of what you're doing. Um, and God, I really do pray that you would be honored through the through the worship this morning, and that it would really not only bring glory to you, but really uh, minister to each one of us to remind us of the truth of who you are and what living in your kingdom looks like. Um, and God, I really do pray uh, that you'd really speak through Jeep this morning, give us uh, ears to hear and hearts to receive what you want to share with us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Actually, I think um, it's just Jeep right now. All right, yeah. Jeep, you're up. <laughs> Volunteer. <clears throat> well, we didn't get for nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, it's really good to good to see everyone. Uh, I am really glad just to see everyone here this morning, uh, you know, both here in the courtyard and also uh, at home uh, for those of folks that are online. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeep Underwood, and I, I work at an engineering company in downtown Los Angeles. And today we're going to be continuing a series called The Journey of Life. Um, and what we're, what we're looking at, what we're talking about is the life that really awaits us as we enter the kingdom of God. The life that really awaits us as we enter the kingdom of God. A couple of weeks ago when Neil spoke first, one thing he showed us is that the kingdom of God is not a place. It's wherever and whenever his will is being done. And so really the kingdom of God is really his reign. Kingdom of God equals his reign. And as you, as you spend time with Jesus in the Gospels, you'll find that his consistent message over and over again is that the kingdom of God is available to you. The kingdom of God is available to you. And the fir when that first week, one thing that Neil focused on was new starts. You know, the new starts that we need to move from wherever we're at to really get moving towards the life that God has for us. 
And then last week, Jeremy shared with us, he fleshed it out some more and he laid out some next steps uh, for us to take in our walk with God. And at the end of that talk, he, he ended with some thoughts. And some of those thoughts were this, is that God has given us a real opportunity to com- and, a real co- and a command to be a part of the most significant thing that we could ever give our lives to. And that is to help people enter the kingdom and to learn to live under God's reign, to really become a part of that kingdom of God. And the last verse that he, took, he, he showed us last week was Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So let's go ahead and show that. All right, good. And this basically, this is, uh, this is a, a moment in time Jesus has, has raised from the dead. It's one of the last times he gets to speak to his guys before he leaves. And he says, says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, one thing to bear in mind is that the folks that he was talking to, they were just regular, normal people like you and me. You know, and and as they project their life into the future, they had little reason to think that they would live any different from their ancestors, that they'd have any different impact than their their immediate uh, family had. But then they met Jesus and everything changed. When they met Jesus, everything changed. And what Jesus laid out for them as an objective, he, if you look in the original languages, really there's only one phrase that's really an imperative in all of the Jesus said right there, and that is to make disciples. It's, it's uh, to help other people begin to learn to walk with him the way that you've learned to walk with him. And <clears throat> what Jesus was doing is he was offering these people the chance to give their lives in exchange for something that would long outlive them. So the question that I want to look at today is, you know, how do you make a difference? How do you make a difference in the kingdom of God? And what I want to do is, you know, that's a big question. That's a huge question. What I want to do is I want to boil it down to three things that we're going to take a look at this morning. And I, I call these the irreducible minimum. So these are like, whatever else it may take, these are on the list. These are things that have to be a part of the way you conduct your life for you really to have an impact and make a difference in the kingdom of God. And so those things are this. You have to genuinely taste the goodness of God. And you have to relate well and share your life. And you have to get others imitating you. Now, each of these lead into the other. Well, each one enables the next. But you really you need to have all, all three. So I'm going to take a look at these one at a time. And uh, this morning, I want to start with just looking at, at genuinely tasting the goodness of God. And as we do that, I want to take some time looking at the life of Peter some. You know, in the book of 1 Peter, Peter wrote to the, when he wrote to the church, he kind of lays out a picture of God's grace. He lays out a picture of God's goodness in the first chapter. And he really shows how this leads into the life, uh, really leads into life in the community of believers, kind of like what Jeremy was describing last week how God's goodness and grace leads into this community of people who really care for one another and live with one another. And then he says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, 
that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, I remember a few years ago reading through First Peter and, and I'm kind of like you're tracking, you know, God is great and this is really what we need to live. And, and then he says, if, he says, if you've tasted that the Lord is good. And I, I, think, I think what he's saying is, is that if you haven't tasted the goodness of God, then a lot of what he was saying leading up to that just doesn't make much sense to you. It wouldn't make much sense to you because you really have to taste the goodness of God. And so I think when, when, when Peter, when he looked back over his life and he thought of the goodness of God and how God had really shown that to him, because he's someone who had genuinely tasted that, I think he thought back to back at the beginning when he first encountered Jesus and the first time that he ever began to really see the goodness of God in his life. And I want to take a look at it this morning. I want to kind of walk through the account that Luke put together of what happened when Peter and, and Jesus really had that first interaction that made a difference in Peter's life. So I'm going to walk through, we're going to kind of just tell this story. I'm going to kind of walk through several verses, so just kind of hang on. Uh, and we'll go through these kind of quickly. Uh, so starting in Luke uh, 5, chapter 1, uh, verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus is at the lake. There's a crowd that's come around and really wants to hang out and listen to him and hear what he has to say. Uh, go to the next verse. So Jesus then, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were watching their nets. Now, <clears throat> fishermen, you know, they, they fished at night, and in the morning what they would do, you know, I used to work in construction, and, you know, you go pour concrete. At the end of the concrete, you had to do all this cleaning and stuff for all your tools. And so these guys, this is their job was fishing. And so when they got done, they had to clean their nets. They had to stretch them out. They had to clean them. They had to roll them up. They had to dry them out. It, it, took, it was a process of trying to get this done. So that's what they were working on. And while they were working, they were listening because this crowd had showed up. Jesus was speaking, and they're like right there. So then let's go to the next verse. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down, and he taught people from the boat. So it looks like Jesus got into Peter's boat. Peter took off from shore, and he's kind of in the boat with Jesus, probably still working on some stuff. So he's listening, he's working, he's listening, he's working. And then, go to the next uh, phrase. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. So he, he wraps up the things that he wanted to share to this crowd, and he turns to Simon and he says something. Now, he could have said all kinds of things. He could have said, hey, thanks for letting me use your boat. He could have said lots of different things. But what he said was this. He said, Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. <clears throat> now, what he, what he asked Peter to do, he asked Peter to do something he'd done a thousand times before. But he asked him to do it in a way he'd never done before. And I think if Peter, if you were like to kind of get into his mind right there, I think one of the reactions he probably had was, Jesus, we just cleaned and dried our nets and we're done. And so if I go do that, then I won't be done anymore. And we'll have to go back to work and clean and dry our nets. And I, he didn't say that, but he may have been thinking that. But the next thing he was thinking, he did say. And he said this, Simon answered, Master, we're working hard. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. First thing you notice there is he, he uses a respectful term for Jesus. He called him master. You know, just kind of someone, he knew he had some authority. 
authority. He knew he was someone that had something on the ball. And so he really showed him respect. <clears throat> but, you know, fishermen, they fish at night for a reason uh, with a net because it's kind of a shallow, sh- uh, a shallow uh, fishing method. And so they wait till night because the water cools off and the fish move to the surface. So that's why they fish at night. In the middle of the day, the water warms and the fish go down and <clears throat> you're just going out there playing with your net. So they don't fish at night. So what, what Jesus was saying, he says, hey, Peter, let's go fishing uh, when you're not supposed to go fishing. And I, I'm, sure that, I'm not sure that hit Peter really kind of sideways. And, you know, Peter could have been thinking, well, he's clearly a carpenter because he doesn't know anything about fishing. Um, he could have been thinking, hey, oh, that was a great talk. I mean, that blew my doors off, but he doesn't know anything about fishing. He could have been thinking, you know, the, the crowd, the crowd's going to see what I'm doing and they're going to think I'm crazy. You know, those are all the different things that could have been playing through his mind. But really, there was something at stake in that moment. And what was in stake that what was at stake in that moment was whether or not Peter could trust Jesus. In that moment, he was kind of filtering through, can I trust Jesus? <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, go ahead and go to the next slide. All right. Simon answered, he said, Master, we were called night. Haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. Now, not because I think we'll catch fish, not because I think it'd be a good use of my time, but because I've listened to you and I have just enough respect for you to let down my nice, clean, dry nets back into the water. I have just enough respect to you that. And I want you to just think for a minute. Hold off on, yeah, good. That's like nothing. Uh, think for a moment, really, what hung in the balance. Um, you know, the reason that we even know who Peter is is because in that moment he decided to trust Jesus that one time. The reason we even know who Peter is is because in that moment he decided to trust Jesus that one time. Now, Peter's life, you know, Peter was in that moment and the future he looked off into the unknown. But for us, we have the, we have the weight of history. We can look back. We can see the impact he had in his life. Peter's life is one of major impact in the kingdom. He, he was a leader of the early church. He was instrumental in sharing the gospel as it, as it was as starting out. He was used by God to really open the door of the gospel to non-Jewish people. Uh, there was a whole time when people were like, I don't know, should we share with people that aren't Jewish? And he was, God used him to really be the flag bearer to really open up the world and realize that actually the kingdom of God is for everyone. And then uh, he, had, he, he, had, he came alongside people and helped them and mentored them. In fact, he mentored a guy named Mark who had some trouble with Paul in the past. But people believe, a lot of scholars believe that the gospel of Mark was actually Peter's account that he gave to Mark uh, in their relationship. In fact, he had such a mark on the world that there's a huge monument that's been, that's been built to his honor uh, in Rome. In fact, go ahead and show a, show a shot of this. This is St. Peter's Basilica. You know, they, they built this over where they believe that, that uh, Peter is buried. It took them 118 years to build this. And my wife and I got to, go to, uh, got to go to Rome this last summer. It was amazing. We got to stand here. I can tell you, when you stand in the middle of that, it's even bigger than it looks there. And, you know, and I think... You know, if uh, Jesus could have said, well, Peter, actually, hang on. Let me show you a picture. 
this is going to be you. <laughs> this is going to be in your heart. No, he didn't. He didn't. He did not do that. But we now know that Peter had no idea what hung in the balance of that decision. He had no idea. So he puts the nets down. Let's go ahead and go to the next verse. Uh, when they had done so, when they put the nets down, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so that they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter, Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You notice he, he didn't call him master. He called him Lord. And, you know, that, in that moment, Peter realized something. That this, is, this isn't anything about fishing. Hmm? This is about something totally different. And in that moment, Peter recognized who Jesus was. And in that moment, he recognized who he was. And he saw that there was this gulf between the two. And Jesus has, in this story, and as he move into their life, he, be, he just bridges that gap. And he lets, he, lets Peter know, hey, I'm going to take care of that. I really want to have a relationship with you. And that was the beginning of Peter and uh, Jesus' relationship. And uh, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. Okay, from so he and his companions were astonished to catch a fish. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Because that's what he was. When he realized who Jesus is, he realized who he is. He was afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm going to take care of this, this gulf between us. He says, from now on, and then from now on, he, he said something to Peter, and it basically was this. He says, from now on, I have a future for you. From now on, I have something for you, but I couldn't tell you until you were willing to inconvenience yourself and to do something that didn't, say, that didn't seem to make sense to you but because I said to do it. And then once you did that, once you put that small amount of trust in me, what happens, that small amount of trust intersected with my faithfulness. And now you know who I am. And now you know who you are. And now you know that you can trust me when I say I have a future for you. And this was a major pivotal moment in Peter's life, as well as James and John. And let's go ahead and hit to the next slide. And what he, what he said was, from now on, uh, from now on you, will be, you will fish for people. And now I'm not sure that at the moment they understood what that meant, but we now know that what Jesus, that was Jesus' way of describing a life of impact that makes a difference for the kingdom. A life of impact that makes a difference for the kingdom. And the next verse is their, is their response to that. So let's go ahead. It says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This, he kind of went through, this is kind of a picture of what Peter had gone through. Is first of all, he put himself where he could listen to what Jesus said. Second of all, he, he inconvenienced himself to do what Jesus said when it didn't seem to make sense to him. And then that single step allowed God's faithfulness to enter his life. And then when he saw 
really what was at stake and who Jesus really was. He left everything and he followed Jesus. That's a picture of what was happening in that story. And that's actually a picture of how you begin to taste and see the goodness of God in your own life. Is that cycle where you, you place yourself in a place where you can listen to what God has to say. You know, that, that could be here this morning. That could be in your quiet time. That could be uh, any time that you open the scriptures or spend time with people who are sharing about the scriptures. But you place yourself in a place where you can listen. You follow through and do what God says. And then the faithfulness and goodness of God intersects your life. And you begin to see how it turns out. And then you're more motivated to follow. And then you put your place in a, yourself in a place to listen. And then you put into practice the things God says to do. And it's a cycle that as you go through that, you begin, be, begin to be more and more convinced of the goodness of God in your own life. You begin to see it for the reality that it is. So this morning, <clears throat> before we move to the next topic, you know, maybe this morning you're facing just such a decision. Maybe you've heard what God says in some area. Maybe you've heard it, but you're just not sure that it makes sense to you. You're just not sure if that, if you can really see, I can't really see how that would really work. And you've heard what Jesus had to say or heard what God has to say. Then I would just, I would just ask you this morning to remember that being able to taste the goodness of God is on the other side of deciding to do what God says. Tasting the goodness of God is on the other side. And it, it's so easy to stand just on this side of what God really wants in your life because you don't follow through on something you're not sure you understand. And, um, you know, for right now, for, you might be right on the cusp of the, and the edge of the life that God has for you. You might be right there. And so I just encourage you to, to go ahead and decide to do what God says and then experience his faithfulness. And uh, see how that turns out, and it's going to pull you in closer to God. So as you, as you begin to really genuinely taste the goodness of God, then what, you, what it does is it feeds into something else that really needs to be a part of your life, and that is you need to relate well, and you need to share your life. You need to relate well and share your life. <clears throat> you have to develop a life of relating well. This, you know, it's really enabled by genuinely tasting the goodness of God and walking with him is it's, it's enabled and, uh, and made possible by the fact that God has really moved towards you in relationships, so now you can move towards others in relationship. You, you, really, uh, you can't make a difference unless you have relational space in your life to relate with people. You can't make a difference unless you have relational space in your life for people. So I'm going to look at just a couple things Jesus is saying. Jesus has said there might be things that that you might hear Jesus saying this morning, depending on where you're at, and uh, things that we need to decide how we're going to approach. First one is just Matthew 5, 23 to 24. <clears throat> Jesus said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. You know, that might be, you know, th this idea of living your life in such a way where you reconcile. Um, maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe someone, you need to ask for forgiveness to someone. It could be something that maybe doesn't make sense to you, maybe in the situation you're facing. It's just like, uh, maybe you would think things like, but didn't you see what he did to me? It's like, 
he's, he's got to find out that's wrong. Uh, it might be, you know, you might be thinking things, well, as soon as they apologize, well, then I'll forgive them. You know, it might be things like that. There's different things that we will put in our minds that uh, when we look at what Jesus says, and it, it doesn't seem to make sense with the way that we normally think, but if we will do what Jesus said here, it will open up a relational space in our lives as we forgive others. And as they, as they, uh, and then asking for forgiveness for things we mess up, because we all mess up, that opens up a relational space for us. And then uh, the next thing I'd like to just point out that Jesus was saying, uh, one, thing, one thing that he, you may hear Jesus say as you spend time with him, is in Luke 6, 27 through 28. <clears throat> he says, Jesus said this, he said, but to those who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Now, this is one that can sometimes seem not to make much sense to you. You're like, my enemy, people are mistreating me. I'm supposed to actually not just forgive them, but love them and actually move towards them. And, <clears throat> you know, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell much of a story right now, but over the past, I just went through a season at my, at my job, a season at work where um, I was wronged in some ways, and I'm not going to go into any details, and I was mistreated in some ways, and I was really struggling. I never expected any of that to happen. I've been working there a long time. And I, I, I just, I began to really struggle with how I'm going to respond to this. And in my quiet time, early on in that few months, I read Luke 6. I read this passage we're looking at this morning. And one thing, one thing that struck me, one thing I think God really struck me with, and that is that no matter, that love is the right response, no matter what. Uh, I need to do good to people. I need to make sure that I help them succeed, even if they've mistreated me, even if they haven't done things they said they would do. I need to love them and help them try to succeed because God's writing my story. And this picture came into my head of God's writing my story. I don't know how my story is going to turn out. I'm kind of like Peter. All of us are like Peter looking to the future. We don't know what's going to be written. But one thing that God kind of made clear to me was that responding in love and do, doing good to people would fit perfectly into whatever plans he has for me next. Doing good and loving people, even if they've mistreated me, even for whatever reason, it perfectly positions me for whatever he has for me next. And, you know, last month I was given the opportunity to move into a different arena at work where I'm, I'm valued. And it's been, it's been a breath of fresh air. I really enjoy it. But, you know, if I had responded by getting angry and bitter over those few months, then that opportunity would, never, would have been closed to me. I would have never had that opportunity because uh, I would have uh, burned some bridges by, uh, by being an angry, bitter guy. So listening to Jesus and doing what he says, it opens up a relational space around your life also that you can invite people into. So this space you create by relating well, it's a space that you can invite people into. And really to make a difference, it's the second half of what we're looking at is you have to share your life with other people. And if you're going to share your life, there's at least three things that you need to do. I just want to talk about them very briefly. And the, one, the first one is you have to let people into your life. You have to let people into your life. 
You've got to be real with them. Let them get to know the real you. Uh, identify with them as someone who needs help too, because we all do. But identify with people just as like, I'm another person on the journey with the same as you. And let your weaknesses show. Let them, let them see how God is working with you in your life. Let them in to who you are and what, how God is working with you. The second thing you really need to do is you have to commit to them before they commit to you. Uh, you guys, I'm sure many of us, you get into this thing where you hey, I'd like to, I'd like to connect with that person. You go, hey, would you like to get together sometime? They go, yeah. And so then a week later, you send them a text. You say, hey, is there a good time? Maybe next week? And they go, yeah, next week works great. And then you go, well, how about Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday? Like, and, and so you, 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 you guys know what I'm talking about. You get into this thing where the ability to connect with someone just seems to elongate. But if you just go ahead, here's, here's some thoughts. If you go ahead and commit to them before they commit to you, you can cut through a lot of that. So you ask them, hey, when, where are some times you can meet next week? They tell you three. Just pick one, change your schedule, and meet with them. Just pick one, one that you can, you can adapt to. Go ahead and say, well, how about that day at 3 o'clock? And it immediately opens a way in to your life. So commit to them before they commit to you. And then third thing is accept people as they are. You know, uh, problems and all. You know, don't judge them. You know you yourself have many things you're working on, but don't judge them. Take their failures in stride. You know, really, uh, as you may hope that they take your failures in stride, but, you know, remember, failures really aren't the problem. It's the attitudes behind the failures that really need to be transformed. And so if they began to genuinely taste the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit will really work on them in this. And so just accept people for, for who they for where they're really at. And then I want to move to the third thing that's like an irreducible minimum is getting others to imitate you. Now, if you've, if you've uh, been ta- genuinely tasting the goodness of God in your own life and you have been creating a relational atmosphere that you can invite people into and you are inviting people into it, you have the possibility and the opportunity of helping other people. And the way you help them is to get them imitating you. Uh, sometimes we can get off target because we'll, we'll try to relate well and share our life without staying connected to the goodness of God. And that just doesn't work. Or we try to taste the goodness of God while shedding people out of our lives. And that, that also doesn't work. You really have to have both. And when you do, it opens up this possibility uh, to really impact people. And, uh, and, to really get them, and to do that, you really get them imitating you. So Paul, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so, you know, for, to get someone following your example, what you do is you help lead them to generally taste the goodness of God. You help lead them to do that. You help them learn how to put themselves in a place where they can listen to God so that they can do what he says and so that they can experience the faithfulness and goodness of God. And then you relate well. You, you teach them and you help them to learn to relate well and share their lives, to really open a relational space around their life that people can be invited into. And then um, you get them to get others following them. And then this thing starts to really get moving. People start getting helped. And 
What, I, what I'd say this morning real quick as we're getting close to the end of the talk. You know, if you look around your life and there's not very many people that you think you could get following you, well, I would do, I would just check a couple things. One, one thing is I would check your connection to God's goodness. You know, maybe, maybe there's a disconnect or there's been a disconnect and you, you're not really connected much to God's goodness and that's something you really need to reconnect on. Another thing you do is just check the relational space around your life. Maybe there's some forgiving you need to do. Maybe there's some forgiveness you need to seek. Maybe, maybe there's some bitterness that has kind of crept in. But look, just uh, check that relational space around your life. There may be something to really work on there. And then also maybe you just need to relate to more people. You know, uh, if you've tasted the goodness of God and you have, uh, you're relating well, you are someone that can really help other people and just Relate to more people. Maybe look for ways to really relate to more people. Now, as we, uh, as we wrap up this morning, one thing, one thing that we've seen this morning, even though there's many factors at play, is that your impact in life will be largely determined by the relational atmosphere you create around yourself. Your impact in life will be largely determined by the relational atmosphere that you create around your life. And I like... Uh, we haven't showed a movie clip in quite a while. And so I feel honored. I feel honored to be the, the first one in quite some time. And so I want us to, to uh, watch a clip that it gives a glimpse into this relational atmosphere that I'm talking about. And the clip is from a show called Ted Lasso. And a very interesting show. I really enjoy it. Uh, it's about a small-time football coach who becomes the soccer coach for professional English soccer team, which you're like, what? And basically that's what the story's about. He doesn't have a clue. He doesn't have understand anything about soccer when he shows up. And it turns out there, the, the lady, the owner, the woman that owns the team has just gone through a bad divorce and the team used to be her husband's team, but she got it in the divorce. And she's so angry at her husband, she wants to destroy it. She just wants, and that's why she hired a guy who doesn't know anything about soccer to come lead the team. She just wants to destroy it. And so in this clip, she's had a real crisis of conscience. Some things have brought up. Uh, she's done many other things to also try to derail everything. A bunch of people that are just trying to make a difference on the team. And she has been actively trying to derail them. And she comes to the place where she realizes how wrong that was. And just before this scene, she's walking down the hallway and you can see her. She's like sweating She's stressed. She knows that she has to tell him what she did. And she is stressed because she doesn't know what kind of reaction she's going to get. And so I want us to watch this clip, and then I'll, then I'll come back up and we'll finish. Ted, I lied to you. I hired you because I wanted this team to lose. I wanted you to fail. And I sabotaged you every chance I've had. It was me who hired that photographer to take the photo of you and Keeley. I set up the interview with Trent Krim, hoping that he would humiliate you. And I instigated the transfer of Jamie Tart, even though you'd asked me not to. This club is all that Rupert has ever cared about, and I wanted to destroy it, to cause him as much pain and suffering as he has caused me. And I didn't care who I used or who I hurt. 
all you good people just trying to make a difference. Ted, I'm so sorry. If you want to quit or call the press, I'll completely understand. I forgive you. You what? Why? Divorce is hard. And it doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or you're the one who got left. It makes folks do crazy things. Hell, I'm coaching soccer, for heaven's sake. <laughs> In London. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> This job you gave me has changed my life. It gave me the distance I needed to see what was really going on. Yeah, but you and me, we're okay. Come on, just shake this hand. My arm's starting to get. care about someone and you got a little love in your heart there ain't nothing you can't get through together you know what I'm saying you're not just talking about us now are you maybe maybe not okay. I'm gonna go change for practice uh, training practice whatever who cares I seen you down here boss you liven up the place That's a great clip. I hope you guys were able to hear it back there. Um, you know, at the end of that clip, one thing you know, one thing you can almost see is a relational atmosphere that allows a whole life of possibilities to make a difference. Um, you know, if he had reacted with anger and bitterness in that moment and reacted the way she expected him to, it would have, it would have just sucked the air out of that atmosphere and it would have smothered any possibility of making a difference. Now, I find that clip inspiring. And I, wanna, I want to treat people like Ted Lasso did in that clip. I want to be that kind of guy. And I think most of us would. But how do you get there? How do you get there? How do you become a person like that? You know, watch, watching Ted Lasso clips isn't going to change us. It'll inspire us, but it won't change us. Um, Hoping will change, won't change us. How do you get there? You know, if you, if you want to become a person with the relational atmosphere that enables you to make a difference in the kingdom, then you need to genuinely taste the goodness of God. You need to relate well and share your life. And you need to get other people imitating you. That's what will change us. And ultimately, that's what will change the world. And so with that, I'd like to ask the band to go ahead and come back up as I pray. And then we'll move on to uh, continuing to sing. But God, Father, I just we just come before you today. And Father, we want to taste your goodness. And we want to put ourselves in a place where we can. And God, I pray that you would choose to use us in the lives of other people. And God, I just pray that um, 
that you would really help us develop these relational atmospheres around our life so that you can really use us to make a difference in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. stand with us as we continue to sing. Um, if there's any time you need to reflect or to think, to maybe even clear up some relationships in the here and the now, I invite you to just go ahead and do that. Um, otherwise, just join us as we as continue to worship. You go before I know that you're even gone to win my war you come back with the head of my enemy you come back and you call it my victory Comes my greatest defense and leads me from the dry wilderness. All I do was praise, all I do was worship. All I do.
is trapped and stole what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all in all here in the love of Christ I Of God was satisfied for every. 
How firm the foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? not he is with us oh be not dismayed for he is our god our sustainer and strength he'll be our defender and cause us to stand upheld by his merciful almighty hand
firm foundation, Lord, that we stand upon your word and your character, Lord, because neither of them ever change. So we thank you that we get to join in with you on this eternal mission, this charge you have given us that will last us far beyond our lifetimes, far beyond when this earth will pass away. Lord, help us to dedicate our lives to what is worth living our lives for. That is you and your kingdom, your rule and your reign and your glory and your honor. We magnify you. Be with us throughout the week. Um, and we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.